It's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Friday, 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 no conflict Friday. We're going to have some conflict. John Von Tobel is having a stomach conflict. We'll get into that. That should make for some gross stories later on. Ari is in our Finley. So we're in the studios. It's Cofield and Company. Friday, 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 Friday. All right, we come right out of the gates, uh, and we'll get to the biggest news of the day. And, again, it has to do with COVID. Deja vu, right? Last year, I feel like every Thursday and Friday we came in, and we'd be talking about COVID and cancellations and positive tests and contact tracing and all that stuff. So we'll get to the cancellation of the USA-Australia exhibition game tonight over at Mandalay Bay Event Center in just a minute. But we do come out with a big basketball note, John. Very interesting. Uh, rumors out there that Dame Lillard is going to be asking for a trade relatively soon. I'm not really sure it's a rumor when uh, Lillard is quoted as saying, this one popped up about an hour ago, on the Blazers' chances to get a little bit better. He said, I don't disagree that maybe Chauncey Phillips, the coach, I don't disagree that maybe Chauncey can change our team and make us a better team. But if you think, or if you look, I think if you look at our team as it is, I don't see how you say, quote, this is a championship team. We just need a new coach. Mm -hmm. Oof. So Lillard looking around and he's like, yeah, changing the coach simply was not enough, John. Yeah, well, I mean, this was the second-worst defense in the NBA this year, <laughs> right? A new coach is not changing that. That's a personnel issue. And by the way, uh, I love – I always do this. Is it Dame Dalla or Dalla Dame? Regardless, I love him. Um, he's got to look in the mirror, too, as to what the struggles are, especially on the defensive end of the floor. He's not the most dynamic on-ball defender, but I think he's right in evaluating the roster and saying, yeah, coach ain't fixing this. It's trending at three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. More Dame and trade talk and some of the teams that people are throwing into the rumor mill, which are ridiculous. You don't have a chance to get Dame Lillard. Cut it out. That's coming up at 320. Other news trending at three includes, well, the vote's coming up, John. The big vote in Oakland. Term sheet is there for that Howard Terminal. That will determine what direction we're going in in the, the near future with the A's staying in Oakland. Doesn't mean it's done or really starting to kick the tires around Las Vegas. The uh, vote goes down next Tuesday, but it looks like there's some key splits in the proposal, and, and that's to be expected. It's a massive plan uh, in the billions of dollars range, $1 billion being raised privately by the A's. It's a mega facility that'll include a baseball stadium. So next week we get some answers. Is this thing, you know, really chugging towards an exit or does Oakland still have a chance to 
Or do the A's still have a chance to remain in Oakland? Right. And for how long this has gone on, is it really surprising that there would be like <laughs> something that the city would be like, no, we don't want that in there. Right. Yeah. So th- this doesn't come as a surprise. And I, I mean, I know we've talked about this. I, I think the city of Oakland deserves a lot of credit for refusing to budge on things that they don't want to in terms of spending and saying, nah, you know what? You know, you spent that $200 million looking for a home or whatever it was. You can use that. Right. You got money. So let's get this done. You can spend and turn your pockets out. So I, I commend them for what they've been able to do, but it's not surprising to sit back and see, oh, wait, they disagree about something else again? Yeah, uh, most recent updates, uh, president of the A's, uh, Dave Cavill, has rejected the city of Oakland's non-binding financial plan for a new stadium on the waterfront. Uh, city on Friday released its non-binding terms of development agreement for a stadium and entertainment complex at Howard Terminal. Plan goes, as we said, uh, before that non-binding vote on Tuesday in the plan, the city staff note that they don't have an agreement with Oakland A's on certain financial costs, mainly on funding offsite infrastructure and affordable housing. Now, again, I wouldn't overreact to this. Uh, I'm actually reading that on the news side of a website, and this is why sports people should be involved, who have some experience in these sort of negotiations. How many times along the way in the negotiations around and about the Al, right, were there certain points of contention there's a lot of things to iron out. Again, this is not a sign of massive troubles to come, but means that they still have to do some more negotiating. And then we'll see what they do with that vote next week where they need, I think it's five of the eight council people to be on board. Yep. Negotiating, you know, you give, I give, right? There's a give and take. We'll see if they can come to it. Now, you know, like you said, there were some points of contention when we were talking about all of this stuff when it came to Allegiant Stadium. Last time I checked, Allegiant Stadium has been built. So doesn't really mean if there is something in terms of a disagreement. It doesn't mean that it's all dead in the water, to your point. Right. Uh, also trending at 3 o'clock as we start off Cofield and company, we find out yesterday that Brad Beal is off of Team USA. Then we find out later that Kevin Love is off the team, but for two different reasons, right? Yeah, so Kevin Love, uh, at least from the standpoint of the physical side, uh, he sounds like he has been dealing well. We know he's been dealing with a calf issue, and so he is – decided not to play that he doesn't want to play through it can't play through it and so he's not going to be a part of team usa as you move forward you mentioned a second reason i was not familiar with a second reason is there another reason why kevin love is not playing because i thought it was the calf injury and calf injury no no no. i was saying they had they had different reasons that beal is off because of covid concerns and that love is an injury concern yes yeah so yes bradley beal of course comes down with covid and kevin love is just old in basketball years and and cannot play and then you know i think there's there was a lot of steve like when he first initially got um, added onto the team, like, why is Kevin Love here? He doesn't deserve it. The The pool of talent to dip into at center is not as deep as you think for the Americans. Well, apparently. Apparently. Well. <laughs> we got the fill-ins. We were all ready to come in here and maybe spend uh, part of the show getting all fired up because uh, our favorite guy, Chris Wood, could have been a late addition to the roster. We're talking about undrafted dude a few years ago out of UNLV in consideration as a fill-in on the Olympic team. Well, for now, he's been passed over. A lot of people greeted the first name with heavy chuckles because they actually know the name. I think a lot of people don't know the second name, but the first name is former Reno Reno star, Pam McGee's son, as Shaq calls him, hashtag bumass, JaVale McGee. Yeah, I don't know how you choose JaVale McGee over Christian Wood. Especially in today's game. Like, you don't like, 
Right, like I get it. You you lack some depth at true center, and, and Javale McGee is obviously much more of a true center that still has some athleticism and is able to get up and down the floor. But uh, you know, in today's game, the ability to stretch the floor a little bit more and provide some sort of front facing game is a necessity. And I don't know how you I don't know how you pass up on Christian Wood for Javale McGee, but uh, they did. Still, though, it speaks to where Christian Wood is at in his career. He was heavily considered to be a part of this team. Even before the injury notes, he was in the running and contention for it. And now when they were looking for somebody, he was first on the list or one of the first on the list to be considered. So Christian Wood's come a long way, man. It is really cool to see. And the other addition is? Keldon Johnson. Okay, you say that confidently. I think a lot of people around the country are like, (laughs) what in Keldon, who in Johnson? What? Uh, Keldon Johnson is a uh, a relatively young player. He does play for the San Antonio Spurs, uh, 21 years of age. He's been on there. What's the term? I always forget the term, the term of the guys that are practicing with them, whatever, the reserve squad, I think it was what it is. Um, he's been playing with them and practicing them in these friendlies. He actually did get some time in the loss to Nigeria, if I remember correctly. Um, but Keldon Johnson is a, you know, a solid young player, 12.8 points for the Spurs this year. Not exactly a great three-point shooter. Uh, but has some handle, has some finish, is able to facilitate a little bit. Uh, he's a good young wing, I think, that is pretty solid depth piece for the most part. I mean, he's not going to get a lot of minutes, right? And, and even when we were stumping for Christian Wood, Christian Wood's not going to get a ton of minutes. Right. Hope not. Hopefully the uh, top end of the squad is going to be good to go here. But, uh, yep. man, this is building very interestingly with uh, guys not playing, guys having to miss it now because of COVID concerns, fill-ins more fill-ins on the roster now you lose at least one of the two exhibition games and we know they need every minute they can together on the floor and uh, tonight's game is off the slate again out of a uh, abundance of caution as they say it that's a, a phrase we've come familiar with the last 15 16 months no game tonight against australia and gut feeling for the final game they're going to play on sunday I mean, I would say yes, right? Because one, I think they kind of need it, so they're going to want to play it. And if it's just been, we have no other indication that, it, right, it was any other player, that it was just Bradley Beal that tested positive, and they're going to continue to test as you move forward to Sunday. So I would feel fairly confident that Sunday's going to go down. Uh, coming up, we'll get into updates on uh, Richard Sherman, mental health issues. We'll also get into uh, the women's basketball field on the Olympic front. The uh, women's team got upset today by Team Australia, and Team Australia is actually down a player uh, for mental health concerns as well. Keep in mind, the women's team, the men's team, I think as of like three days ago, was a minus 600 favorite to win the gold. The USA women's team is minus 1,100. Come on, ladies. Let's get ready here. I know it's an exhibition, but we don't want any choking in the Olympics. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. It sounds like we're having more than just a USA basketball conversation. I'm hearing about passports and America and our cockiness. Oh, uh, well, I'm cocky and I'm American. So guess what? Everybody should think they're the best, even if you're not. And if you don't, don't mean I got to stop thinking that, especially when the records support what my cockiness is leading me to. Now, it's an international game. Different rules, different points of emphasis, etc. It's going to take time, as you said, Slick Rick. Black jersey on the globe. Blow, blow down your trumpet, blow, blow, blow down your trumpet, blow, blow. 
All right, Marcellus Wiley on the uh, Wiley and Acho show on uh, FS1. Slick Rick Buecher on the show as well. We'll get into more of Wiley's comments here in just a second. The angle of, hey, this men's USA team is very arrogant. They're very cocky. And Wiley's saying, hey, there's nothing wrong with being cocky. If you're good, you can be cocky. Uh, A couple updates, and I guess we're going to have to do this every day now, whether you like it or not, because they're sports figures, sports athletes, stuff that's going on around the sports world with this next, whatever this is, with COVID. Uh, John, I don't know if you saw it, but uh, Jay Williams, uh, ESPN announcer, is now out of the coverage of the NBA Finals. He has tested positive. Oh, man. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's like we're back at the beginning. Like uh, Every day. When, every day we're finding, about, you know, finding out about new people. Yep. Well, with the Yankees game yesterday, they, you, yep. you ever – so I'm going to try to make this comparison. You, you ever hear like – well, you don't have an iPhone, but like every time I hear an iPhone alarm – but used as a ringtone, I feel like a jolt because I feel like it's my alarm, like I'm waking up in the morning. And <laughs> when I saw headline Yankees Red Sox postponed due to COVID, I felt that same jolt. I was like, wow, like we're we're really back to this point where we can't play games now because this is getting so wide. It's crazy, man. So Aaron Nola will yep. be eligible. He's a Phillies pitcher. He's been out since the six with a positive uh, COVID result. Uh, he's kind of key to the Phillies actually, you know, reaching their potential and maybe winning the division. And, you know, it's kind of razor thin the margin between the Mets and the Braves and the Phillies and the Nats. So Nola can return on Tuesday. He was a COVID positive. Uh, he is not vaccinated. And he actually uh, he did tell people that he said his decision not to get vaccinated is a, quote, personal choice. And he doesn't plan on getting it at this time, which I whew, that's an interesting one. Uh, reading a headline in one of the uh, Philly area papers uh, after positive COVID-19 test, Phillies find themselves involved in a vaccination debate. So we'll follow up on that uh, in a little bit because we got good news around the NFL as more and more teams are starting to reach that threshold uh, they need to reach. There's There are some that are struggling, so that'll be the update uh, during the football frenzy. All right, Marcellus Wiley talking about arrogance and you know what this team is – all about and he was going back and forth with uh, Manuel Acho who by the way happens to be of uh, Nigerian descent so that was kind of interesting earlier in the week as uh, Nigeria got the job done and they were bombing threes all over the place here's a little more uh, Marcellus on Team USA y'all acting like America's cocky I just think that they just knew that Nigeria was sorry. And then, whoa, they hit 23-pointers and realized they ain't as sorry as we expected. Now, is that a cockiness problem? Because it happens within our borders all the time. Correct. Yeah. So it's not an American versus others problem. It's just a human psyche issue. You get what he's saying? That we're just – we're a very cocky nation. Yeah. I mean, I – I think there's a certain arrogance when it comes to like the coverage of USA basketball and the expectations of USA basketball. So it kind of ties into that, right? Like, Hey, this is our sport. We should never lose to people around the world. And this thing should be our domination at gold every single year. And that ties into what he's talking about. Yeah. And we got off to such a crazy start uh, back some near 30 years ago when we went to the pros that uh, people still have it ingrained in their heads that the, the result should be the same. It's 30 years of the world playing basketball and anyone who turns on the NBA uh, maybe people don't process, uh, you know, how many international players are in the NBA. I don't know how you can't. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the infusion of players from outside the United States. So it would make sense that, guess what? Other nations have really good teams because they play at a higher level of pro basketball than they've ever played at. 
uh, Steve, the last three MVPs are Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. So <laughs> I think the game is growing. All I'm saying is y'all can get into your diplomatic issues with America, but don't y'all damn try to convert those and conflate them into these international basketball issues. Because last time I checked, we smack teams when we see them. Okay. Or from a betting standpoint, are you going to try to fade USA when you can? Uh, I mean, fade them. They're going to be catching spots and uh, they're going to excuse me. They're going to be laying points in certain spots that I'd like to play against with certain teams. Like I have Australia twenty to one to win the gold medal. Uh, I really, I really like that Australian team a lot. There's a lot to like about what they have. Did you and, bet like, them before or after the Simmons decision not to play? After. Really? Yeah. Okay. There's still a lot to like about the Australians in terms of their roster. Like now, names that you would recognize, right? Joe Ingles and and Patty Mills and Matisse Thybul. But they're they're a good roster. And Baines is on there too. They have a lot of shooting, good depth in the front court. Like I, I like what they can bring to the table. You saw it on display in the friendlies. Like you know, the, the Americans they have some really good players. You know, six. I think they were only what sixteen and a half against the Australians. Like a team like that has some quality pieces. And also, it's just more of a setup thing. You know, they're the favorite in their group. They're an odds on favorite near $2. It's not the strongest group. Nigeria's in there as well. I think it's Italy and Germany. So they should win that group and move on. They'll be in a favorable position in the knockout stages. But yeah, Australia's pretty live, I think, to win this thing. And now, given this is before the news and all the COVID and everything going on with the USA roster, so I feel even better about taking that little shot. All right. Well, one of the big stories now uh, with the offseason coming up, and it's a, it's a little bit delayed. I think what normally the offseason bonanza is right around like July 3rd. We get, you know, we get a couple of days of speculation and then all of a sudden things explode. We're, we have so much we have so much basketball coming up because we we're going to finish out the finals here, you know, get ready for the NBA draft down the road. You got all the stuff going on with the Olympics and Team USA. And then you're going to get offseason movement because we're going to go back to a normal schedule. So the biggest chip out there could be, in terms of who's available, Dame Lillard. And, you know, we're seeing reports, and he even gave a quote earlier, like, you know, changing the coach doesn't really make us into a championship team. So it looks like, John, Dame Lillard could be asking for a trade. Yeah, there was a report that he's expected to request the trade in the coming days. Now, I don't know if you – did you see Yusuf Nurkic's – Let's say vocal like pushback of these rumors. <laughs> he was on Twitter quite a bit today, <laughs> tweeting down this storm that Damian Lillard had requested a trade, and um, Lillard has since been quoted saying that the rumors are not true. But here's the thing: you have the situation with the coaching search around Chauncey Billups and uh, the allegations uh, of rape, right? And the way that they flubbed that in terms of their investigation, and seemingly lied about the way they handled said investigation, if it even happened. You have the fact that this roster is flawed in terms of the way it's constructed, and Damian Lillard being spot on that Chauncey Billups could be a really good coach. But this isn't about this isn't about a coach changing the problems. This is about flawed construction of a roster that finished 29th in defensive efficiency. A scheme is not fixing one of the worst defenses we've ever seen in the NBA. And Damian Lillard, frankly, like you know, he Steve, he can talk all he wants in the last few years, right? That doesn't want to join super teams or anything like that. When your ultimate goal as a competitor is to win a championship. And year after year, you fail to even come close yep. to winning that championship, right? At least Chris Paul has had runs before, right? He made it to a Western Conference Finals with the Houston Rockets. He's had some uh, decent semifinal runs with the Clippers in the past, things like that. Damian Lillard, 
has been eliminated in the first round three of the last four years. And it's not been fun for Damian Lillard. So to see where he's been and to probably want more, I think it's perfectly natural that he would probably want out of there. Uh, if there's anyone out there who gets on him, if he joins a, a, a team that is a real contender, and I'm sure that's what he's going to want to control the process and go to a contender. If there's anyone out there who said he quit on the Blazers or if anyone in Portland gets on him, again, don't be mad at Lillard. Be mad at management for squandering away You know the first 10 years or so of his career. He's 31 years old. Coming up, uh, actually, I think his birthday was uh, might have been yesterday. Um, he's 31 years old. I mean, it's go time now. You want to be on better teams. And, and frankly, here's the other thing. Uh, the way the NBA is covered, the way the sports media works, he really is in one of the outposts of sports. Portland is nowhere near the rest of the country. He, he gets attention, but he doesn't get the attention he deserves. He no. needs to be on a good team that can, ten, that, uh, can legitimately contend for a title. The only reason why a Steph Curry type gets the attention that he does is because he made multiple NBA Finals runs and won championships, right? So he mm-hmm. was thrust in the prime time of the East Coast. Damian Lillard's hitting game winners and ridiculous shots at 10.45, you know, 11 o'clock at night on the East Coast. You know, he's buried when it comes to some more national coverage. So it, it is somewhat surprising sometimes to see the lack of coverage around Lillard, but it makes sense because Portland is as isolated as you can be in today's age, right, in the NBA. So all of that put together, like, yeah, like, and here's the thing. You should t- we should put this out there, too. Damon Lillard's not perfect. Damon Lillard is part of the reason why that was the second-worst defense in the NBA last year. But he's also a dynamic card who can change and tip the scales of any single team that he joins. So if you're one piece away, if you're the Clippers, if you're the Sixers, if you're the Heat, Damon Lillard makes you a championship contender immediately. What good teams are a legit match? Uh, you can also mention the usual suspects of teams – and their media people and their fans who think they're going to get Dame but have no shot of getting him because they don't have the trade assets and they may not have the money to fit him in. Yeah, I think the first team that comes to mind is Philadelphia because they at least have Ben Simmons. You would you would have to add more to that package, but you have a Ben Simmons type that you can build the package around and send to Portland to then get Damian Lillard back. Now, I don't know if the cost on Simmons has gone down or the price right so that Portland might not be as um, – that might not be as desirable a deal, but I think Philadelphia's got to be at the top of the list. Uh, I think Boston with a Jalen Brown type, right, is also a viable spot that you can piece some stuff together with a Jalen Brown and send that over. I think if you're Portland, you would love to start to build your future around Jalen Brown and Norm Powell. That'd be a pretty decent place to start if you're the Portland Trailblazers. Um, and then after that, like Miami is thrown in. I, I never, if there's a team that is thrown in, I, I will never say never because these guys are cap guys and I'm not, I don't know how to, yeah. but I just don't know what Miami's shipping over. To make that happen, you know, Tyler Hero and Bam Adebayo had some pretty down years. Tyler Hero specifically had a very down year in this regular season. And his success is all small sample size Orlando bubble stuff. So is that like really a piece that you're willing to ship off Damian Lillard for? So I honestly think that Philadelphia has got to be at the front of the list. And here's the wild card. Do the Los Angeles Clippers convince Portland to take Paul George? And do they go and make something happen and get Damian Lillard? That was floated out there. I think it was Kevin O'Connor in the ringer like a, like a week or two ago. So remember that Kawhi piece that we talked about, uh, the Portland Trailblazers, that was floated out there as part of like potentially a spot. But I'd put Philly at the top mainly because they have the all-star and the, the really good player to kind of build the package around. Do you want to mention a usual suspect who believes because of the market they're going to be in on every big guy? And I, I you tell me, you know the roster. I don't know how this team – would put together a package that would be any bit interesting to the Portland Trailblazers just to give up Dame Lillard. The New York Knicks, of course, 
We are the New mentioned. York Knicks. So I think they would have enough. I, I don't know their draft stock uh, like right off the top of my head, but I believe they still have you know majority of their draft assets. And they have some pretty young, good, decent young pieces. Emmanuel quickly, uh, it would probably be one of the pieces that is there. But like, Why are you yeah. laughing? You're the first guy you mentioned, you start laughing. Okay, keep going. Well, because, because you know, that's not like that's not a piece. Like Emmanuel quickly, I think is really good. Emmanuel right. quickly is a solid player, but I don't know if that's the centerpiece that you're using to trade for Damian Lillard, right? And here's the other thing. This is what makes me laugh. Again, I saw <laughs> this in all of the comments. There was no because at least the Laker fans are stupid. The Laker fans are like, oh, Taylor Horton Tucker, Kyle Kuzma, and Dennis Schroeder. Who says no? Like, everybody says yeah. no. Who says okay. no? <laughs> right. But the, the stupid part with the Knicks thing is, like, I, you see it all the time where it's like, don't you know? It's New York. If they get Lillard, a third star will come. You haven't been able to land the first. Yeah. Nobody's coming. Like, it's been 20 years. The, it's like, enough with the, it's New York, they'll come. No, they won't because they haven't came yet. So why would they start? I, and, and, I will uh, let I will let you do this again for Knicks fans. You have to factor in your owner. Yeah. That's the that's the freaking binding factor. The, the that's the common denominator all these years. And you since you haven't you know and this run where you haven't been able to land this freaking franchise guy to pay all this money to, he's there. Right, and here's the other thing. Again, let's just look at everything as it is right now. The third star is going to come win because it's not going to be this free agent class. There's not massive difference makers, right? So Damian Lillard is going to come and play in New York and have essentially a similar level team as he was in Portland and play in the Eastern Conference. And then he's going to fight his way through. Let me get this straight. He's going to leave Portland to join New York and then fight through Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in Philadelphia, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, and Chris Middleton in Milwaukee. Okay. <laughs> yes, that is the championship team that he was looking for. Sure. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Rolling out on a Friday. British Open. This is the kind of uh, event that I like to see unfold. High scoring, first of all. Louis Oosthuizen. Heizen. He's at 11 under. Uh, we'll get to your guy, Morikawa, who uh, was a lunatic today at 6 under. Uh, he's 9 overall. Uh, one of the stars, one of the guys I'm not a big fan of, uh, Spieth, is 8 under. A uh, guy that I do like, Dustin Johnson, is 7 and then there was some of the behavior on the course. Uh, first of all, uh, I, I have. Do you know this guy? This this is a Tyrell Hatton. Yeah. Wow. I know him well. We're best friends. Wow, he's got a good temper on him. I like him. Well, that's golf, right? Like <laughs> it's my golf. It's my golf. <laughs> uh, sometimes I watch these guys. Like yeah. like in the last few rounds, there's been a couple of guys where they'll just. They'll put a ball and it'll be like a twelve. It'll be a twelve foot putt and it'll just die like an inch away from the cup. And you'll and yeah. I would snap my club in half just yeah. watching that happen over and over and over again. Uh, but no, he's the tenth ranked golfer of the world. He's only twenty nine. Like again, some of these young guns that are out there that are playing pretty well. And his approach shot about a dozen yards off target. So what does he do? Man, eh, all right, I'm just going to snap my iron in half. 
<laughs> did you see how he did it? I've never seen someone do it this way. I've seen people do it over their, their knee. I've seen him slam it on the ground and break it. I actually broke a club one time. Uh, it was like an old, it actually was wood. And uh, I, I think I had a miss hit. So I just started doing like Jose Canseco swings and I wrapped it around my back and I actually broke it on my back. Like I was just doing a follow through really? and just snapping it on my back and it actually wrapped around and snapped in half. This guy actually put the club on the ground in one hand, he's holding it. And then with his feet, he's like, ooh, 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 and just yep. starts stomping on the club. Then you, and cause you couldn't really see it break. Then he picks it up and you just see it, you know, just it's all dead and it's all dead and limp as he, he had just annihilated the club. Then he finishes it. He's like, and he snaps it. Yeah. <laughs> then he's on the green, John. Then he's on the green. He misses a putt, and I, I, I haven't seen the story yet. Maybe someone in the crowd annoyed him, so he, he fires the the bird at someone in the crowd. Oh, I didn't see that one. Uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. oh, that's awesome. That's so good. Now that's the part of golf that has always annoyed me. Like, get over it. Okay, what was it? Always we always talk about is it Patrick Reed and the change in the pockets. Oh, yeah. Right. There was a guy with coins in his pocket. He was like, you stop moving, please. You're interrupting me. Like, yep. yeah, get over it. Well, how about uh, how about Filthy Phil? When things go wrong for Phil Mickelson, he's a giant sore loser. We've seen that. Uh, this is another great moment for the tournament. He's out. The glamour guy, the old guy, he's out. He, uh, he almost finished it. dead last. He was uh, 12 over. Just missed the cut. Just missed the cut. No rate. truth to the rumor that he uh, he said that he would never go back to sandwich England again after the way the course treated him. Oh, well, that whole thing. You want to explain that again? Detroit, he goes up to play a tournament in Detroit. Someone writes a feature on him. That was pretty interesting. You know, he's, he's I don't know if he still is, but he was a degenerate gambler, a big-time gambler, whether it was legal here in Vegas or clearly he would play illegally. And uh, there was a story about a bookie getting him back years and years and years ago for a bunch of money. Yeah. The bookie owed him, and the bookie owed Phil five hundred thousand dollars. Like he, he oh, cheated him out of it. oh, he owed yeah, him, and then he stiffed him. Well, right, yeah, that's that's what made it so weird. Like it wasn't like, hey, look at Phil, he's five hundred thousand dollars in debt. No, it was, hey, look at Phil, he's the victim. Wow. And, were, and he's like, no, I'm never coming back here again. It was that's it, mad at the media. I, I can't. I'm do, like basically, I'm doing. I'm coming to freaking Detroit, this place, doing all this for you people, and your he newspaper writes a story like this. He called it an attack. Yeah. Again, as I joke all the time, malicious facts. Yeah. Get people really upset. All right. So what happened with uh, Morikawa? Dude. I, so I, I do. <laughs> Dude. I, well, I really do enjoy golf, especially watching it at a high level. I, I like to watch people perform things well that I'm bad at. That's why I like to watch basketball. I'm not a good basketball player. Um, Colin Morikawa, for those who like aren't really into golf or just think it's like guys swinging around, I would stress to you to go to YouTube today and watch Colin Morikawa's second round. Steve, what he did with his irons today was absolutely incredible. <laughs> absolutely incredible. Look his approach shots were out of this world. Every single one of his birdie putts, we're talking five feet, four feet, five, three. He was on it. He found the pin anywhere he wanted to go. He was absolutely incredible. At one point, he was going to set a course record. He ultimately doesn't. But he finishes, and here's the thing: like the course has been playing a lot easier than people expected. And Colin today uh, shot a 64, so six under. But he was incredible, man. And Louis Oosthuizen has been doing the same thing. The, the key, like the the common thread between the top three, Louis Oosthuizen, Colin Morikawa, and Jordan Spieth, all three of them have been absolutely brilliant with their irons, and it is shown in this course. But like I thought, like watching Colin, like that was crazy. It was crazy to see such dominance when he was playing on those approach shots. It was nuts. You uh, you gonna get down on someone now starting 
at the beginning of the third round. Uh, Moose Tyson is looks like about uh, what plus two fifteen. Uh, mm-hmm. Spieth is four fifty. Morikawa's four fifty. Dustin Johnson seven fifty. Rom, who's six strokes back of the lead, but was the pre-tourney favorite at like nine to one. Now he's twelve. You got Kepka at eighteen. Anything? No. Well, I'm already involved. I've I've got Spieth at twenty-one to one before the tournament started, and I do have uh, Brooks Kepka, who had a pretty decent day today too. Shot a sixty-six, and he's at five under, but he's six strokes back. But I would say. You know, you always look for these sort of things like sustainability, right? Like as a guy is playing, check the weather reports, make sure the tee times are very important, right? Generally, guys who go out later tend to have a little bit of a tougher time in terms of scoring. Uh, but if the weather stays the way it has been, because it's been absolutely brilliant, any one of Ustays and Spieth or Morikawa, their their performances are perfectly sustainable because it's part of their strengths. Like their irons are very good, specifically Morikawa and, uh, and Spieth. And how about this, by the way? Colin Morikawa, Steve? He actually changed his irons out a week ago. Like these are new clubs that he's playing with. And he had only played Lynx golf a week ago at the Scottish Open and he missed the cut. It was his first time. And he's here on a Lynx course just tearing it apart with new irons. It's incredible. Stick around with us another uh, in the next uh, 30 minutes or so. We're going to be giving away uh, two more tickets to the uh, big uh, battle for Vegas between Riley Smith, Team Riley Smith, and Team Marcus Allen. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Wolfpack for the Rebels. Wolfpack, Wolfpack. <laughs> I know when I'm outnumbered. I'm smarter than that. <laughs> what in God's name is going on? Does Derek Hart not know where he lives, what team he plays for, who paid for the stadium? Bruh, I don't care where you are. If someone asks you Rebels or Wolfpack, you don't say Wolfpack. Come on now. There and then someone, be- some smartass in our uh, vest sound crew put on the uh, freaking Reno fight song. Get out of here. That might be one of the biggest acts of cowardice I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I know when I'm outnumbered, so I'm just going to acquiesce to all of you yeah. in the room. Like, show the, some backbone, bro. You're the, a Las the, Vegas Raider. The five media people may have beaten up the NFL player. Come on. <laughs> Or or the, the, he has the easy out. You went to another Mountain West school. Neither. Fresno all the way. Joe Esposito is very familiar with the uh, the Reno-Vegas-UNLV-Nevada rivalry. Joe, Coach Joe is up. What's up, buddy? I still, I still, I'm still happy when Musselman loses. And no matter what it is, like he oh, just yeah. lost a big recruit to Texas Tech. I was happy. Anytime the must bus loses or gets a flat tire, I'm still happy. Hmm. I make excuses for Musselman. That man's incredible. He does do a good. He does do a good job. He's got a lot of energy. <laughs> hey, he does do a good job. But you know what? I'm sick and tired of watching his you know, stuff on Twitter and dribbling the basketball through his house. His wife should kick his behind right out of there. I like it. There you go. Joe's still into the rivalry. Uh, Joe, let's get into first of all uh, life update. Come on, man. What happened to Team Tubby here? What happened to the tournament? Oh, man, I'm wearing my TBT tubby time stuff right now, as a matter of fact. Unfortunately, so my first year, GM, head coach, unfortunately, I think I signed too good of a team. And all these guys got picked up, and I lost a guy to the NBA. Um, I lost a guy for a five-year deal in China. I lost a guy to your job in France. And let me tell you what's happening. Typically, guys can report in August. But, like, Poland and Qatar and Mexico, they're doing their own bubble. So they got to get people there now two weeks before. 
So if you've already signed with the team um, and they open this bubble up, that's how I lost my last two players the other day, and we had to call it quits and back out because I only had six guys that could go, and one guy was still questionable because his team over in Poland was saying, if you don't come, we're not going to honor your contract. So I got myself in a jam. You know, I learned from, from learned from it. I think next year we'll go ahead and sign more guys instead of just limiting ourselves to 10. The TBT has a rule where if you go over 10, it's $1,000 per guy, but it's probably worth the investment to have 15 or so on the roster where you can go ahead and if you lose a few guys, you can still participate. I know it started today. It's a great tournament. I'm sad we're not in there, but tubby time, we'll be back. There you go. I love it. Tubby time. We'll be back. Coach Joe's with us. Joe Esposito, former coach at UNLV and Texas Tech and Minnesota and Memphis and lots of other spots. So we're going to talk a little college hoops in a couple of minutes. But we got John Von Tobelin, who's an NBA expert, and uh, we want the coach's take on what he's seen so far, uh, especially of late, Joe, in the NBA Finals. Suns look like they were going to roll in the series, and all of a sudden they got real sloppy. Well, you know, it's it's the home court obviously was the was one of the big issues. You know, when you look at the home court advantage, you know, take two in Phoenix, lose two in Milwaukee. I think that's part of it. But you know what's hurt them a little bit? I, I think Chris Paul's play and um, the turnover just seemed to be killing the Suns. When you look at game one, you know, Chris Paul probably had the best game on the court, 32 points, nine assists, great game. Game two, he got a little sloppier with six turnovers, but people really didn't realize that because they won. They took their second game, they're up 2-0. But the last three games of the series, if you like game two, three, and four, he's 15 turnovers. You know, he had 10 of 17 the other night. He's been having some big, bad turnovers late in the game. He had two huge turnovers the last game. And uh, there's two things. One, he's jumping up in the air and throwing the ball around. If you talk to any coach, jumping up in the air and passing is not a good, not a good look. True Holiday, give him some credit. He's guarding the guy. He's physical with him. He's bumping him. He, in traffic, he gives him bumps with or without the ball. He's doing a good job defensively. And then the way Milwaukee has taken advantage of those turnovers has been incredible. You know, um, Milwaukee scored 24 points in those 17 turnovers. That was the difference in the game. On the other side, Milwaukee only had five turnovers, and the Suns only got five points out of it. So even though the Suns shot 50%, Milwaukee shot 40%, those turnovers, man, will kill you. I don't care if you're coaching in the NBA or you're coaching in the CYO ball at the local church. It's all the same turnovers kill. So, Joe, I think one of the, the guys that really deserves credit, Mike Budenholzer has been killed in the past for refusing to budge and not making adjustments, but he has gone small. You know, the last game we saw Brooke Lopez play just 19 minutes, and the thing that Chris Paul thrives on is those 1-5 pick and rolls, right, getting getting advantage, taking advantage of the big man. Well, the big man is Giannis Antetokounmpo now, so, like, that's not there for Chris Paul. The adjustment of going small, like, how much do you think that has played into all those issues that you're talking about? Well, that's a great point, you know, especially that last turnover where he tried to turn the corner and, and you know, it's not as easy. I think the, what that's a good move that he made. You know, Coach made that good move of going small, and that's a good observation. Um, you know, because you got to remember now, when you're coming off that pick and roll, there's only so much you can do if your guy can't move. He has a mobility. Now you can switch it. You can trap it. You could do a whole bunch of things. But if your center doesn't have the mobility, and Lopez doesn't have that natural mobility, like some other guys do, and I think that made a big difference. But Chris Paul just got to let the game come to him. You know, he just got to understand. Hey, look, he he's a great veteran, a great player, but just don't try to go crazy and overcreate. You got a guy like Booker that is unbelievable at making space. 
I mean, you've got guys on your team that can do a lot of things. Just play your role, be a good, you know, be a good point guard for your team and not try to overcreate. And I think that's what's happening. And I think Holiday's doing a great job in there. I mean, he's doing a great job defensively. And when you have a guy hounded you like that, I think it's pretty intense. And you can see, you know, when you hear those bleeps out in the NBA game, you know, somebody's yelling, and Chris Paul's been that bleeper most of the time. <laughs> It, the other thing that is that has really stuck out to me, Joe, and, and I think this has been – I wrote about this for our website where I work, and, and I think it's very much worth noting. When the shots aren't falling for you as a team, and Devin Booker, right, you can run those screens in the middle of the floor, you can get them space in the elbows and things like that. But when the shots aren't falling for others, right, get the easy buckets. It's getting out in transition. It's getting within four feet of the basket and finishing. The Suns haven't been able to do that at all, and that hasn't been what they've been able to do all season. But Milwaukee's killed them inside. They have 60 attempts in the last two games within four feet. Like, I wonder if when you look at a team who is so set in their ways, when you have a guy like Chris Paul who in this regular season only took 60 attempts all year long at the rim, you know, you're asking, you know, a – what is a tiger to change its stripes so late in the season? I feel like that's a problem. You, like they need to get out in transition. They need to attack the rim door. That, that's just not what they do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And you know the, the the inside game there at the end late. If you remember inside, they got a bunch of easy baskets off of missed shots, and mm-hmm. it got real physical near the end of the game. And the referees kind of held the whistle a little bit. You know, you know the NBA wants that series to go as long as it can. But you know, Booker missed two back to back shots late that were pretty much, you know, shots that he typically would make. You know, you're talking, you know, within 12 feet uh, of the basket. One was uh, on the right side, bank shot. He missed it, and then, then he pulled up. And, and I think those were big shots that he missed. But, you know, if, you're gonna, if they're going to go small, it makes it a little harder to run like you want to run. But the one thing you can do is pound those glass. And, and I think it's just a lot of effort. You know, I thought Milwaukee just played harder. I thought, the, I thought they played tougher. I thought a Phoenix guy, you know, just – just punked a little bit in some regards. I just think they were more physical. And when Milton's not scoring, he's still playing as hard as he can. He's a heck of a player, long and aggressive. And, and you know, those guys are getting ready, hopefully, to play in the Olympics. And, and uh, you know, they got so much going on, but they're giving all everything that's happening right now in the NBA. It's been pretty exciting to see the fans back, to see the games really exciting back and forth, close games. And I think it's exciting for all of us that, missed those exciting NBA games in the last two years. So I'm glad, and you mentioned one of the th- the last things that I wanted to ask you about because I like picking the brain of, of a guy who actually coaches the X's and O's. My observation has been just watching basketball in my years, Joe, that, you know, when you attack the rim and when you're getting within four feet and you're attempting layups, when you miss those shots, it is easier for your guys to offensive rebound because these are not jumpers that are careening off of the rim, right, and going farther away. They're not long rebounds. It allows you to attack the glass a little bit more like the Bucks to tie into what they've been doing within four feet, they've also killed them on the glass. Like, is that is that a true observation in your mind as a, as a coach where if you attack, if you get within four feet, if you're taking shots at the rim, it also gives your guys a chance to clean it up and get second-chance points? No question. And, you know, you talk about what you said there, long shot, long rebound. You know, when a guy shoots it from three, a lot of times you got to be sure you got one or two guys heading back because it's probably going to carry them off the rim pretty far. But if you get a guy that gets in traffic, it's okay to send four guys to the glass and just send one guy, one guy back because the rebound is going to be less. I mean, it's going to be something right around the rim somehow. You know, great guys like Dennis Rodman, you know, he wasn't the most athletic guy in the world, but he was awesome at knowing where to be. You know, they, they throw that statistic out there that 80% of shots that are missed 
scare them off the weak side of the basket. You've ever watched really good rebounders when there's a shot taken? They're getting themselves not only in position to box out, but in position to get that ball. And there's some guys that just do great things with it. Draymond Green's one of those guys that just has a knack to being where that ball is. So I think you're right. If you get in there close and you're getting good looks at the basket, close, you can definitely send more guys to the rim. And I think that kind of was what made the difference for the Bucks late in that game when they got those few follow-ups. Joe, what do you think? And we're going to go rapid fire down the stretch here. Joe Esposito's with us. Uh, what do you think of the replacements that were named in JaVale McGee and Keldon Johnson to Team USA? Not, not too happy, I'll be honest with you. Keldon Johnson's we've been with him now, and he's torn about seven points a game for him. I don't mind him. But McGee, in a 13-year event that averages seven points and five rebounds, shoots 20% from three. You know, how about a guy like uh, Julius Randle? I mean, what's up with him? Or Trey Young. I mean, is Trey Young hurt? I don't, that's a no-brainer to me. Damian Lillard is the only point guard on that squad. Now you had Trey Young. I don't know if his legs bother him, but you let him play in the Olympics, I guarantee you he'll go nuts. But Julius Randle was a guy that I thought would have been there. They lost to Nigeria. They lost to Australia. They beat Argentina. Man, I'm telling you, without those big names like LeBron and Curry, what's up with that? LeBron's doing a movie. Movie comes out today. He's dancing with Bugs Bunny. He should be with the team. Curry's doing Subway commercials. I know Kawhi's hurt. I know Davis is hurt. I don't know what's Harden doing. We're not getting a true representation of our best players in the United States. And be careful because we may get beat. Ooh. Uh, last, I think, couple of notes from the transfer portal in college basketball. Uh, Kofi Coburn comes out about 45 minutes ago. He's going back to Illinois. I don't like that. As a uh, Big Ten fan. Um Marcus Carr, I guess the decision's coming soon. It's either Texas and Chris Beard, or uh, he could go pro and play overseas. What do you think he's going to do? I think he's going to go to Texas, and I think Texas is going to be preseason number one team in the country. Damn. I think uh, UNLV fans need to be happy that Beard is coming back to uh, back to Vegas, but he's playing against Stanford and T-Mobile. He's not coming to the Thomas and Mac, so they need to be happy about that. But yeah. I'll tell you this, he's got a heck of a squad. He's been real quiet. You don't see a lot of tweets. You don't see a lot of stuff happening. You don't see fireside chats. Beard's like a silent assassin right now. He's got that loaded staff. They've gotten some great players. I think they signed the best class. They're going to be really, really tough to, to defend it. And then the school that he left, Texas Tech, Mark Adams is doing a super job. He just got the kid from Oral Roberts, you know, made himself famous by getting 30 against Ohio State and 28 against Florida. He shoots about 46% clip from three, six, eight, two years left. That old Banner kid is good. He's a Texas kid, and I think Texas Tech's going to be uh, going to be a team to reckon with as well. Joe, it turns out in the uh, Mountain West Conference, or at least Mountain West Conference-related news, that uh, former New Mexico coach uh, Paul Weir, Dr. Paul Weir, actually landed a job, but he's going to be uh, an AD, huh? Yeah, what is he doing? An AD at a Division II school in Portales, <laughs> New Mexico. There's nothing there. I was at Angelo State. We played in there. There is nothing. You can't even stay in that town. I don't, they don't even have a McDonald's. Are you kidding me? I mean, what's Paul Weir thinking? He got he had to have some kind of buyout. He can still coach. I heard he was working with the Canadian national team. I mean, Paul, what are you doing? You can't be that desperate. Poor Talis. Your wife's going to hate it. Your kid's not even going to know where the school's up there. Terrible. Terrible. What is he doing? He should have hung out a year, waited, and then you never know what jobs are going to open next year. Don't jump too fast. Damn. Joe's fired up. All right, Joe, we'll check in with you next week. Awesome. Great hearing from you guys. And don't forget about the pizza, bro. I know. The pizza bet. We got to hook up for the pizza bet. You, you, li- you don't live here anymore. I got to find a way. I don't know. I'm going to have to freaking have a pizza delivered to your house. Surprise one night. Perfect. No. So we, they got DoorDash. So that's perfect. There you go.
Thanks, Joe. All right. Have a great week. Very perturbed at the end. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a great place to live. Oh, Eastern New Mexico? No, I meant about the pizza. We made a bet. Oh. I think that was my San Diego State bet. I was guaranteeing more losses for San Diego State. And, uh, yeah, it didn't work out. All right, giveaway time as we uh, get ready for the football frenzy. Let's do it right now as we have uh, another pair of tickets to the battle for Vegas. This is Team Riley Smith against Team Marcus Allen. <laughs> At the uh, Las Vegas ballpark is coming up next Saturday, the 24th. It's all for charity. Uh, the tickets are courtesy of uh, Vegas's fastest growing luxury brand, Finley Volvo, Las Vegas. You got a home run derby at 630. First pitch, 730. Awesome family event. It's all at the LV ballpark. Get your own tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Call or 11, 364-1100. is the number. Call or 11. Talk to Ari and you get a pair of tickets to go check out the battle for Vegas. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.